Well, we've examined from a biblical perspective what God says are the qualities of a true friendship. Now, some of you may be thinking, Pastor, you've given us some good biblical information on this topic during this series, uh, and, and I realize uh, I need some more true friends in my life, but how do I get the right kind of friends in my life? And, uh, you know, just in the last two weeks, I've had, have had several men that have either come talk to me after service or have maybe sent me messages, even stopped by the office this past week, and they have admitted that they don't have true friendships. They really don't have any close relationships with other men. And, and I just want to tell you, I just want to affirm uh, the men that have come up to me and told me that, because um, ladies, you know, it's not very easy for us to admit when, uh, when we, there's some areas in our lives uh, where we're weak in. So, so man, I just want to thank you uh, for, for stepping up and admitting that uh, many of you don't have real, true friendships in your life and, and, and having that need for accountability in your life. If you are married, if you are married, you set an example to your spouse with friendships. So wives, you need to encourage your husbands to have other wholesome, true friendships with other men. And one of the ways that you do that is by you having good friendships with other women. And vice versa, men, you need to encourage your wives to have true godly friendships with other women and you need to encourage that all right you need to allow your wife to get away from the kids and have a break every once in a while can all the ladies say amen in here all right especially the young moms that are like you know barely hanging on right now so in the final message i want to give you some spiritual and practical steps to, that will take the, to take that will track the right kind of people into your life. So first, you need to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and your friend. That is step number one. This is why the bridge exists. The bridge exists to bring people to Jesus Christ. And there's no apologies for that. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. We are here so you come into a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We believe wholeheartedly in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We believe wholeheartedly in the Bible and what Scripture says, and that's our basis of how we live. So based on the qualities of a true friend, we've been talking about the last four weeks, let's put Jesus to the friendship test. So, one... We said that a true friend loves unconditionally. So does Jesus love unconditionally? Now, I'm going to give you a bunch of uh, scripture references. We're not going to be able to go through, through all of them. So if you just want to write them down, you can go through them later. But we have Isaiah 53, 7, and then Romans 5, 8. It says, God showed his great love for us 
by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That's how much he loved us. While we were still sinners, Christ came to die for us. Two, he said, a true friend is a faithful friend. Is Jesus a faithful friend? Indeed. Indeed. And here's some references here. But in, uh, in Hebrews 13, 5, it says that I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. I will never forget about you. There is no one that is more faithful than Jesus. Three, we said a true friend is a sacrificial friend. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says, But he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have, pe might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed. You know, Jesus' greatest suffering was to bore our sins on the cross, even greater than the beatings, even greater than, than having a, a crown of thorns placed on his head. That was, that, that, that was the most painful suffering that Jesus went through. Listen, you can't even deal with your sins. Like, you can't even deal with your sins. So think about Jesus taking the sins of the entire world from everyone who ever lived to anyone that was ever going to be born. He bore our sins. And number four, we said a true friend is a, purify, a purifying friend. Proverbs 27, 17. We talked about last week as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And we talked about how God disciplines those he loves last week. And, and if you were here last week, I shared about um, how I have four kids, and my wife and I love our kids, and so we discipline our kids. I, uh, I came across a T-shirt that, uh, that I want to share with you guys. I think we have that on stage. Wooden Spoon Survivor. <laughs> Glory, right here, right here. We're going we're gonna to start selling those in the bookstore. <laughs> Jesus loves unconditionally. Jesus is always faithful. He has sacrificed everything to be your friend, and he purifies you being your friend as well. Even his enemies called Jesus a friend of sinners. And aren't you glad that he's a friend of sinners? Because, listen, man, we are jacked up. We are jacked up. And God came and rescued us. When, when we weren't lovable, when we didn't deserve to be rescued, he is a friend of sinners. And you may be asking the question, why would God want to be friends with me? Why would he want to be friends with me? Because you know what? He created you. And sin separated you from him. And grace can bring you back. Follow this. He doesn't love us because we're lovely. We're lovely because he loves us. He doesn't love us because we're valuable. We're valuable because he loves us. He doesn't change us so he can love us. He loves us in order to change you. The key to you having true friends is for you to have Jesus as your best friend. As your best friend. Without Jesus in my life, I am not at a place 
and I'm not at peace with my creator. When I'm not at peace with God, then I'm not at peace with myself. When I'm not at peace with myself, then it's impossible to be at peace with others, making it impossible for me to consistently attract the right kind of friends in my life. Listen, we got it all, like, messed up. If you aren't at peace with God, then you're not at peace with yourself. And if you're not at peace with yourself, then it's impossible to, be, to have the right kind of friendships around you. All right? So it starts at the center. When I met the Lord Jesus, I met someone who loved me even though I rejected him as Lord and Savior Knew all my secrets and still loved. Do you know that Jesus, do you know that God knows every sick and messed up thing you've ever done and you've ever even thought about doing, and yet he still pursues you? Like, that's, that's, that's a radical love. There's no other love like that. That he loved me even though I was incomplete, even though I was selfish and insecure. And uh, just a newsflash for you a little bit. Uh, I can still be a little selfish, and I can still be a little insecure, but he still loves me anyway. My faith in Jesus set me on a path to becoming the person that my creator wanted, my creator wanted me to be. So what kind of faith are we talking about? A faith that understands and believes that God accepts me, not because of what or who I am, or what I've done or haven't done, he loves me just for me. He loves me just for me. When I accept his love and forgiveness by faith, that's what it takes. You have to accept it. Jesus is not going to force you to love him. Like if I go around and, um, you know, go around my kids all day and say, you know, tell daddy how much you love me. Tell me, tell me how much you love me. Like that's weird, you know, isn't it? <laughs> like that's not, that, God doesn't do that either. All right? He shows you. He demonstrates his love for you. I mean, I, I, I love my kids. I, they, they, can, they can tell by I love them. Yesterday, we were, um, we were wrestling, and, and uh, I've been sick all week, so, so we haven't wrestled, like, you know, in a couple weeks. And really, like, like wrestling is, like, one of my love languages, man. I just love wrestling with my kids. And, and so yesterday, we were wrestling, and then we were doing the, the, uh, the airplane thing, you know, where you lay in your back. You know, and, you, and we were doing it for like an hour, and I almost thought I pulled a hamstring on it. And, uh, but they just love spending time with me. And, and I love spending time with them, and I love providing for them, and I love just pouring into their lives, whatever, whatever it is. <clears throat> it's always right to love what Jesus loves. So if Jesus loves you, then you can love you as well, can't you? So we're called to love what Jesus loves. He loves you, so you need to love yourself. Have you ever heard anyone say, hey, man, you know, you're, not, you're not supposed to love yourself. You know, that's, that's bad. Well, wrong. You're supposed to love yourself. Jesus said we are to love others as we love ourselves. So teaching us that if you don't love yourself, uh, you cannot love others. Listen, here's some humor into that. When I say that, you, that, you're, that you're to love yourself, 
that doesn't mean that you are so filled with ego that you stand in front of the mirror singing, how great thou art. <laughs> All right, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the fact that when you accept Christ as your personal Savior, then you become into, adopted into God's family. All right. What does it mean to be a friend of God, and how is that cultivated? Let's look at John 15, 9 through 17, and I don't have all these verses on the screen, so if you've got your Bible or if you've got your phone app, I just encourage you to get your phone app out and follow, up, follow along with us. John 15, 9 through 17. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. So Jesus is talking to his disciples here. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you slaves or servants, because a master does not confine in his servants. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me I chose you. I appoint you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. So that's what it means to be a friend of God. God has made himself accessible to everyone. Here's the ironic thing. You can't just talk to the President of the United States whenever you want. You just can't be like, ah, it's midnight. I think I'll give, you know, uh, the President a call and just see what he's up to. See if you watch, see if you watch the, the, the sporting game that day. Listen, you, can't, you, don't, you don't have access to the President like that. But you can talk to the creator of the universe anytime you want. How awesome is that, man? You can talk to the one who made you 24-7, 365. So in this verse, Jesus is saying that if you love me, you will obey me. So I want to talk a little bit about being, what does it mean to be a friend of God? Obedience and love go together. They cannot be separated. And I think a lot of times in our Christian life, we want to separate love and obedience. And you can't. They go hand in hand. If Jesus is really your best friend, if you say that you love Jesus, then obey what he's telling you to do. What, what area in your life right now are you not obeying God in? What area that, what is that? Is, is it relationships? Is it, is, it, is it a stronghold in your life? Is it whatever it is? 
One writer says, Abraham was described as God's friend because Abraham believed in God to the extent of obeying God, even though he did not always understand why God commanded him to do certain things. So even if God is telling you to obey and you don't really understand why, just obey. Just obey. You don't always have to understand in order to obey. That's called faith. It's called obedience. God doesn't ask you to obey, however, without equipping you to obey. I think a lot of times we think like God just sets us up for failure. You know, God's, God's you know, we say, you know, God, God tells you to obey and you're like, okay, God, I'm going to obey. And then, and then like, you're like, okay, man, I'm just, I'm just waiting to fall on my face, you know, and, and mess up. Like God wants you to grow and he wants you to succeed and he wants to empower you. One writer says, in order to be obedient, we must rely on the power provided by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is yielding to the Spirit's control. Practically speaking, this happens as a believer responds to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So you can't be a friend of God if you don't obey God. And you can't obey God without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God in your life. And, uh, and man, I could just go on a whole uh, sermon right now about the Holy Spirit. I really feel like one of the problems uh, that many people have in the Christian faith and their relationship is they don't understand the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is everything to the believer. And, and I really encourage you to do a study on the Holy Spirit this week. And um, uh, I was going to say Google Holy Spirit, but, man, you can find some freaky stuff about the Holy Spirit as well. So, um, but just go, go to Right Now Media and type in Holy Spirit. And uh, there's some great studies on the Holy Spirit uh, in that resource. And, uh, man, like, just learn. Like, God is your best friend. He is... The Holy Spirit is your best friend. He wants you to thrive. He doesn't just want you to just make it by. And aren't many of you just tired of just kind of making it by? Like, life's too short just to, get, just to, just to make it by. So in John 14, 16 through 17, John 14, 16 through 17, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking to his disciples, but then he's talking about the Holy Spirit that, that the disciples will have and that they will have even more when he leaves. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. And write, write these three words down if you're taking notes. This is, who the, this is who the Holy Spirit is, the advocate. He is comforter, he is encourager, and counselor comforter, encourager, and counselor. Man, we are desperately in need of more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You, you are so more desperate for, for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit in your life, for your marriage, 
we as the bridge are in desperate need for more of, of, of the Holy Spirit in our church. He is comforter, encourager, and counselor. And Jesus says, who will never leave you? Who will never leave you? He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Do you need some discernment right now in your life between what's lies and what's false and what's truth? You can't know that without the Holy Spirit. The world cannot receive him because it's, it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you as well. He lives in you. So having friendship with God, love and obedience cannot be separated. So asking the question, God, where am I, where am I not being obedient in my life right now? Because I love you and I want to be obedient. When you have love and obedience, love and obedience lead to joy and friendship. When you have love and obedience, that leads to joy and friendship with God and with others. I guarantee it, man, because I see it in my life right now. You know, friendships take a lifetime to develop, and that's no different with your friendship with Jesus. And I pray that in 2017, when we take a look back, that you are closer to Jesus now than you were uh, last year, the same time. So the first is to attract the right kind of friends in your life. You need to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and friend of friends. Now, uh, I have four points, and we just got done with one. And I promise you, that was the longest point. Number two, you need to take the initiative. To put it simply, if you want a friend, you have to be a friend. Galatians 6-7 says you reap what you sow. And Luke 6.38 says the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Man, that's so biblical. If you want friends, be a friend. Be a friend. Many people are waiting for someone to come and be a friend to them, but that's not how it works. You want love? Give love. Whoa. Listen. If no one is right with Jesus right now, I mean, you can walk out that door without Jesus. I'm just saying. I'm glad I'm his friend. Are you? It was a little poem. It says, I went out to find a friend and could not find one there. I went out to be a friend, and friends were everywhere. Man, that's about perspective, isn't it? Really about perspective. Dale Carnegie said this, You can make more friends in two months by becoming really interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. When you're with your friends, do you just talk about yourself all the time? Or do you want to talk about them? Because 
when people are interested in what I'm interested, I'm more likely to open up to them. But, you know, when I got some people that are calling my digits, listen, I got a couple people. I won't name any names. No, there's no one in here. But, but when, they, when they call, I know that I could put um, mute on my phone, put it on my speaker, and just set it there and get some dishes done. I know it. I mean, you got some friends like that? Don't be that guy, man. Don't be that guy. Just talkers, man. People talk your ear off. To attract the right kind of friends in your life, you need to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and friend. Two, you need to take the initiative. Three, you need to be practical. You need to be practical. To find the right friend, you have to be the right person. You have to be in the right places. And three, you have to take the initiatives. You've got to break the ice. Find someone with a common interest and begin to talk and share with that person. Now, there are risks when you put yourself out there. Um, I graduated college. I, I started college almost 20 years ago, which is hard to believe that I'm getting old, man. I'm like, I got, I got some grace right here in these whiskers right here. But re remember when those of you that went to, went to college, when that first day your parents dropped you off, and you didn't know anybody, man, it was so awkward. It was just awkward. And, um, uh, you know, your parents are helping you unpack everything. And, and um, you know, you didn't have any money, so you, like, took some of their stuff, you know. And they're, they're like, wait a second, that's mine, you know. Like, I'm going to need that, mom and dad. And, uh, but you just didn't know anybody. And then they had, like, all these, like, um, uh, socials that you can go to, and it just kind of felt like it was like junior high all over again, you know, and, um, but, and, and then you, you kind of like, like, I want to get to know people, but, you know, it's going to be a risk. I'm going to, I'm going to have to risk, uh, take some risk to kind of get to know some people, but the older you get, and the, the more mature you get, and the more that you, uh, fall in love with Jesus and know that he's your best friend, the more you can handle those risks. Here's the thing that I need to, want to encourage you, is to not be a poser. To not be a poser. Be your best self and be your real self as well. Not only has friendship with Jesus given me a love I've never experienced before, but you know what? My friendship in Jesus has also given me a confidence I've never had before. The closer I get to Jesus, the more confident I am. And I'm not talking, it's not like an arrogance. Man, I remember when I was, used to be arrogant. You're saying, you're 5'7", 135 pounds. What do you got to be arrogant about? Listen, I remember, you know, when I was arrogant. And it was just, it was, it was, about, it was about me. But the more that I fall in love with Jesus, the more confidence he gives me. Man, I remember in, in high school, when you had to stand up and give, like, speeches in high school, dude, I was terrified, man. 
oh, I just, you know, and now, like, I stand up in front of hundreds, and, and, I, and, I, and I speak. God's given me a confidence that, that I've never had before, and he wants to give you a confidence as well. He does. Don't force it. Don't try to make it happen overnight. There are no real instant friendships. You know, you'll drive that new friend away. Just let it happen. Don't make unreasonable demands. Don't smother your new friend. Don't be needy. All right? No one likes needy friends. To attract the right kind of friends in your life, you need to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and friend. You need to take the initiative. You need to be practical. And fourthly, you need to pray. You need to pray. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, Keep on asking, and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. Paul said in Philippians 4.19, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. All your needs. Listen, man, as I look around the room, I know there's, there's, some, there's some really hurting people right now. Some of you I know what some of you are going through. Some of you I don't. And uh, I know there's many of you here that are really lonely right now. And you could even have maybe your spouse next to you and still be really lonely. You could have your kids next to you and still be really lonely. I'm telling you what, I have everything in my life that I could have ever asked for. But if I didn't have Jesus, I would continue to be lonely no matter who else came into my life, no matter what else I had. I remember uh, the first church I pastored in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and I was literally in the desert. Like, God took me in the desert physically and emotionally and spiritually. I was... 1,500, away, 1,500 miles away from family and friends. I know we got a lot of military uh, that just moved here, and you guys don't know a whole lot of people uh, as well, and maybe kind of feel that you're, you're right there as well. God had to show me that he needed to be the center of everything in my life and that he needed to be the Lord Control. What is, the, what, is, what is being Lord of your life? That, that's giving control of every area of your life to Jesus Christ. And man, I know there's some of you in here that you've shed a lot of tears, especially maybe this past week. You've shared those tears on those pillow, and you're just kind of wondering, God, where you at? He is there. He is there. He is closer to you than your very own breath. And I promise you that a lot of times it takes some really hard times for us to see 
how good God is. And maybe some of you are there right now. Don't give up. Don't quit. He loves you. He's right here. He's right here. You have to get that relationship right first. If you do not get your, that relationship right with your Lord and Savior, with your Creator, no relationship will ever be how you want it to be. If you need a friend, pray for a friend. He will send you a friend. He first wants to be your friend. You no longer have to be lonely and feel unloved because Jesus can be your best friend right now. Let me pray.